Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. A blessed third Sunday of Advent to you. It would seem that our liturgy is trying to communicate to us that change is afoot in this liturgical season. The glow of the wreath is brighter now that we have the third candle lit. Our celebrant is vested in rose instead of the more solemn purple we've seen the last two weeks. And there's even a gentler, more hopeful tone about our lessons. Today we observe Gaudete Sunday, whose name is taken from the first word of the introit that was historically used on this day. Gaudete in Domino Semper, rejoice in the Lord always. While that introit is based on Philippians 4 and Psalm 85, our epistle lesson today from 1 Thessalonians passionately reiterates this call urging us to not merely experience joy on special occasions, but rather to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances, to not quench the Spirit. Rejoice always. It sounds stirring, yet I can't help but admit that Paul's imperatives seem a bit tone-deaf at times, even conjuring up images of some white-knuckled spiritual bypassing. Rejoice always. I know that's not fair to the apostle, his context, or what we can best discern about his intentions in writing. But it is, when I'm honest, sometimes my experience when I read these words. And I think it's important that from the outset we acknowledge that these imperatives from Paul may at times feel a bit detached from the realities of life. This year, we're walking through Advent for a second time after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Today, there are approximately 10,000 Ukrainian civilians and hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian and Russian military personnel who are dead no longer able to join us in awaiting this feast of Christmas. And this year it is they, not we, who are joined by nearly 1,500 Israelis and 18,000 Palestinians who have died in the war in Gaza and Israel. Tragically, we all know that the examples of suffering in our world do not stop there. The holiday season also often magnifies our personal losses, the voids left by those we loved and who loved us. The holidays can conjure up wistful longing for dreams that still elude us. So in the face of such suffering and personal griefs, can the church authentically call us to joy? Is it even ethical for us to experience joy when the world and our hearts are in this state? I think questions like these weigh heavily on our hearts and our minds. And if we can experience joy, then what function does it serve? 
What might the Spirit be inviting us to when it invites us to rejoice, even in the midst of the suffering and grief of this world? As we grapple with these questions, I think it can be helpful to recall the historical context in which these passages, with their attendant calls to joy, were written. The authors did not live detached, privileged lives, but also faced the crucibles of suffering and adversity, as our beloved Apostle Paul likes to remind us in some of his other writings. So perhaps the joy that Paul speaks of and calls us to in our epistle today is not an oblivious dance around the harsh realities of life, but rather something deeper. A disposition that flows from a trust that all is held within the embrace of the Spirit of God. A trust that our grief, our anger, and longing are not ignored, but have a purpose and end. A deeper opening of our hearts to participate in the transformative work of the Spirit that we heard described so poetically in our lesson from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to release the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn, to repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. This is, of course, the work of Jesus the one that John the Baptist points to in our gospel lesson and the one whom we await this Advent, the one who invites us to join him in his work as the adopted children of God. And it's the completion of this work that we await and long for this Advent. And it is this work that the Spirit invites us to participate in. But for us to be able to join God in this work of healing liberation and repair, we have to first be willing and able to see the realities of the brokenness around us and within ourselves. Because we cannot actively participate in the renewal of things that we cannot or will not see. But seeing, as we know, is painful. (laughs) Experiencing the brokenness of this world in our own hearts can incline us towards shutting down, walling off, using every tool at our disposal to bypass the pain. But the Spirit of God, who Paul reminds us not to quench, seems to be faithfully about the work of expanding our hearts, of opening them up precisely to perceive and experience unflinchingly and honestly that which is true, both around us and within us. And I believe that this may be where joy has an important role to play. There's an old saying in the Taoist tradition, when you open your heart, you get life's 10,000 sorrows and life's 10,000 joys. Dharma teacher James Baraz articulates an understanding of the purpose of joy that I believe resonates with the wisdom of Scripture. I'd like to share it with you. He writes, Joy creates a spaciousness in the mind that allows us to hold the suffering we experience inside us and around us without becoming overwhelmed, without collapsing into helplessness or despair. 
Joy brings inspiration and vitality, dispelling confusion and fear while connecting us with life. Profound understanding of suffering does not preclude awakening to joy. Indeed, it can inspire us all the more to celebrate joyfully the goodness in life. Experiencing joy does not mean disregarding suffering, but it does mean not overlooking happiness and joy when they arise. So, joy then is not an escape from reality, but rather a profound encounter with it. It can create a spaciousness in the mind, a sacred container that allows us to hold the weight of suffering without being crushed beneath its burden. Joy brings inspiration and vitality, connecting us more deeply with the pulse of life itself. The Spirit of God that holds us and gives us life connects us to the pain and suffering in our own hearts and in the lives of those around us, but it also connects us to the joys emerging wherever there is life. The Spirit is present. And in the mystery of God, holds the tragedies in Gaza and the Ukraine and invites us to lament and mourn with those who mourn and to work for just peace. And it is that same Spirit who also connects us to the beauty, awe, and wonder experienced at the birth of a loved child or the simple heart's delight of being nuzzled by a beloved pet. The way that joy seems to function in our lives reminds me a bit of the way one of my very favorite singer-songwriters uses the tool of music as he writes his songs. This artist has an uncanny ability to pen the most unflinchingly heartbreaking lyrics, but then delivers those lyrics in a way that we can stomach that feels almost gentle because he surrounds them with such musical beauty. The beauty of the music holds the pain of the lyrics and enables us to endure them and even connect our own pain and loss to the pain he expresses in the song. And I believe that joy functions somewhat analogously to music in this example. Joy holds us as the Spirit broadens our hearts and opens our eyes. Joy enables us to endure the pain in our lives and witness and stand alongside others in their own. And this opening of our hearts, this beholding, in turn allows us to begin to connect with the healing renewing work of God around us and within us. One of our most beloved Advent hymns captures this tension between joy and mourning well. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. May these words remind us that even in the midst of our waiting and mourning, there is room for joy to blossom, and that joy will help further open our hearts to the healing and renewing work of God that we await and long for this Advent. So may we not quench the Spirit, May our hearts be opened to experience the 10,000 sorrows and 10,000 joys of this life.
So that in those moments when the longed-for Son of God appears with healing and redemption in His wings, we will stand ready to behold Him and join Him in His work. In the name of God, lover, beloved, and love overflowing. Amen. Amen.